Hello and welcome to The Feminist Critique. I'm Ajeline. And I'm Gracie. This is a podcast where we talk about movies, we put them to the inclusive and feminist tests, and then we ask the most important question of it all, why can't Ajeline talk? No, <laughs> what, uh, is the movie good? And sometimes, even if a movie is not feminist or inclusive, it doesn't mean it's bad. Yep. All right. And to continue our female-led drama month, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite movies, The Joy Luck Club. Yeah. It was it was released in 1993, uh, had a budget of $11 million, box office of $32 million. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 85%, so it is certified fresh. It was directed by Wayne Wang, who did who has done movies like Smoke, and he directed Made in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by Amy Tan, who also wrote the novel, and Ronald Bass, who we talked about last week, because he had wrote Waiting to Exhale and My Best Friend's Wedding. Um, the cast includes Q Shin as Su Yin, the mother. Uh, she's in lots of TV. She's been in movies like 21 and City of Angels. Uh, Se Chin was Lindo the Mother. She was in movies like Memoirs of a Geisha and Casino Royale. France Nguyen played Ying Ying. Um, She was in South Pacific, and she was on the original cast of the original Star Trek. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Lisa Liu plays Anne May, and she's going to be in Crazy Rich Asians, which just came out, and she was also in 2012. Ming-Na Wen plays June. Everyone mostly knows her for her voice work as Mulan, and she was also an agent in the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, okay. Tamlin Tamita uh, is Waverly. She was in The Day After Tomorrow and The Eye. Lauren Tom plays Lena. She was a lot of voice work. She did the voice of number three on Kids Next Door. She was the voice of Amy and Inez Wong on Futurama. Oh, yeah. I know who she is because of Futurama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Rosalind Chow uh, plays Rose, the daughter. And she was in movies like Freaky Friday and Just Like Heaven. Okay. So there we go. I'm all done with that. Woo. Now we get to talk about the movie. Yeah. And again, it's just like waiting to exhale and love actually. So what we're going to do is just kind of go through each person's story one at a time because there's eight different stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of stories. Like they it's uh Well, it's it's all crisscrossing and stuff, right? So Well, some of it is Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, the whole premise of the movie is, like, they're all having these flashbacks at this party for June, who's going to see these uh, these twins that belong to her mother, who has passed away. Yeah. So, that's it. Everybody's yeah. here at this dinner so, party, and we meet all of these characters. And, and it starts out, because um, it's June's, like, tale to tell, like, overall, but I mean, yeah, there's... she's the main narrator. So, um, 
And she starts uh, off telling a story of a swan in China that a market vendor had been selling and said that it was a duck whose uh, neck had stretched to become a goose. Uh, And she, and then like the the woman who bought it kept it as a pet and was trying to bring it to uh, the U.S. But then uh, immigration came in and like took the swan away from her and she plucked out one feather uh, and s- as the swan was like taken away and um, for a long time she had kept that feather planning on uh, someday giving that feather to her daughter and the idea is um, even though it doesn't look like much it's uh, all of her um, hopes and dreams for her daughter yeah like she says uh, a, a daughter who never swallows sorrow and who speaks only perfect American English. Like these are her dreams as she comes to the new, uh, to not the new world, but to the U S you know, to make a new life for herself. But, and that's like, that is an immigrant story in general is like you, you leave your old country, your old life to come to the new country to start off a new life. And, it's actually it's an incredibly brave thing for anybody to do. Yeah. And so we'll actually start off with June and Su Yen's story even though it kind of spoils the ending. So well, spoiler we could, alert. we might be able to start with some of the other. I I kind of feel okay. like we should start with some of the other characters not to spoil it. Okay. Well, then let's start off with uh Lindo and Waverly. Okay. Um well, the whole thing is is these these back backgrounds kind of start as um, June joins the mahjong table because mm-hmm. um, see her mom was in a church group with these ladies and then they all got together and once a week or once a month or something like that they would come together they'd have dinner and they would play mahjong mm-hmm. and now June has to take her mother's place at the mahjong table with all her aunts. Her aunt, Auntie Ying Ying, Auntie Lindo, and Auntie An Mei. And, and, and the uh, the group was called the Joy Luck Club. Exactly. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then we're done. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, that's a cinema sins joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, on YouTube, on you, well, on YouTube, there's this thing called Cinema Sins, and it's a guy that like yeah, counts sins they, or stupid things in um, in a movie. They, and every yeah. time they say the title of the movie, he goes, "Roll credits." That's so. Did um, Did you just woman explain well, uh, the the YouTube sins? Huh? Did you just woman explain the YouTube sins? No, I know. I'm sorry. I'm making a joke. <laughs> oh, well, I'm explaining. How dare you? Um, uh, well, some people might not know who who that channel is, and it's fucking amazing. But he also does music videos. It's great. Um, but anyway, we'll start off with uh, Lindo's story. Okay. She's my favorite background story. I yeah, loved hers. It so... was funny. So it starts off uh, in China, and she is she is four years old, and um, she notices that her mother is talking to a matchmaker and then another woman, and uh, the thing is, she is supposed to marry um, the other woman's son when she grows up, like about uh, eleven years from th- that t- that point, right? Um, so 
she she's just kind of well first of all the 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 other woman's like saying like oh she's too thin she's this she's that right and the the matchmaker's like no she has a very lucky face and uh is trying to like (laughs) get this match put together um so the years go by and uh and lindo becomes 15 and um her mother um says that uh, actually we're moving to the south but you have to stay here um with this new family uh yeah and then she gets married to this perfect stranger Mm-hmm. And the night of her wedding, she's got her face covered, you know, and she's waiting. And she says, I've prayed to the gods every day for you that you would not be too old or too ugly. And then he takes the cover off and it's this like 14 year old or 15 year old kid who's the same age as her, you know? No, and I think he just, was younger. He had to he be He might have been. Yeah. Or he just has a really big baby face. But anyway, she goes, I must have prayed too hard. <laughs> It cracked me up. Um, And she's married to him for a few years. Well, yeah, so she goes... um, She goes a few years um, married to him. It's very loveless, childish, sort of childless. They don't even consummate the marriage. Well, exactly. So, um, and I don't think... I don't think he knew how to. Like, that was kind of my mentality, right? That, like... It kind of... Like, here's a, you know, a 12-year-old boy, and it's like, she's, like, you know, showing off her tits, and he's like, hee-hee-hee, boobs. <laughs> I know. It kind of reminded me of those stories you hear about Catherine the Great and her husband, and her husband used to, like, play with toy soldiers at the end of the bed. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Like, they're that's the kind of marriage they had. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. And, like... Because she's the woman, she's getting blamed for not having any children. And, like, the son is lying. Like, oh, yeah, he's like, I, I've given her many of my seeds. <laughs> and I've she's... given her enough seed to fill a basket. Yuck. That is gross. <laughs> but he, he's not touched her. No. And so she's, like, slept beside him every night, you know. Like, brother and sister. And like, there ain't like nothing happening. Yikes. And... Then one day, Lindo overhears um, the servant girl talking to someone, and obviously the father of her child, and she's like, hey, I'm pregnant, and he's like, it must be a mistake, it's not mine, or whatever. So now you've got this poor girl that's in a situation where she doesn't have any, like, like she's a pregnant, unmarried woman in the 40s, you know, like, it's bad, 40s or 50s. And so yeah. No, I think it, I think it was like I think it was like the 30s. It might have been. Yeah. But regardless, Linda sees this and she gets this big bright idea. Yeah. And she like rips her clothes up and makes these anguish screaming noises and then she runs down to the shrine of the ancestors and just starts spastically praying. going up and down praying. Yep. <laughs> She's overacting, but it's fucking great. Oh, and but it's perfect. Yeah. It is. It's it's amazing. I love it. And then like when the um when her mother in law is like, 
what is wrong with you? She's like, you don't understand. The matchmaker made a bad a match. Like, the ancestors came to me in a dream, and they said that there's a, the mole on his back is going to grow so big to eat his body the way that it had their ancestors' face. And then her teeth were going to fall out. And then she, like, shows where a rotten tooth had fallen out when she'd been 14 mm-hmm. as, like, proof that her teeth were falling out. Yeah. And then she's like, and the servant woman's carrying the seed of the ancestors because she was his true spiritual wife, not me. The matchmaker just wanted me because she wanted the money. Wow. Yeah. It was great. I mean, she got out of that horrible situation. Well, exactly. It works. <laughs> like, it fucking works. And it's like, uh, she's out. She gets a train ticket to Shanghai. And, uh, you know, everybody's happy and the son gets born, right? Exactly. It's like Huang Tai Tai got her grandson. The servant girl got her marriage. And Lindo got her freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, it takes about ten minutes to go through that in the movie. But, I mean, we could summarize it real quick for you, but I, and you can kind of tell that that way she, she's very, she's a very smart woman. Yeah. And she likes to undercut those that she thinks she can undercut. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, June says earlier in the film that Lindo was her mother, Su Yen's greatest friend and greatest enemy at the same time. <laughs> So, so then Linda's, we. Linda's very competitive. Yeah, very competitive. Because um, now we kind of move on, right? So, uh, Lindo has moved to America. She has a new husband, a son, and a daughter. And uh, the daughter is Waverly. And uh, so, between ages, I want to say six and nine, Waverly is like a chess champion. Like, she is the best. Like, um, she's on Newsweek magazine. They're, you know, comparing her to Bobby Fischer. Like, there is... the, the, the it, She's really good at chess. Like, the best, yeah. right? And so, her mom is super fucking proud. But oh, her yeah. mom also likes to brag. Oh, well, I mean, and that's the thing. A lot of mothers do love to brag about their children. Like, there is... Um, She's the mom. She's the, yeah. She's the mom that shames other moms. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so she is like going around, showing off like this Newsweek magazine cover on the streets it and up like to her chest as she's walking around. Yeah. She's like, look, here's my daughter, the chess champion. So proud. So proud of her. Uh, and Waverly is not happy with this because she's very embarrassed and she explains this to her uh she tries to explain this to her mother which is kind of an insult you know because um mothers have so much pride for their children um just just being themselves um but they also want their children to to do more you know what i mean to like you know, accept yeah. that pride to be, you know, proud of being this, uh, their child, like proud that this woman is their mother as well. Like it is a give and take sort of situation. At least that's exactly. what I got. And, but for Waverly, it's like, God, mom, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so she tells her, you know, like, 
I don't want to be your daughter anymore and runs off. And then when she comes home that night, like, Linda's like, this girl has no concern for us. We have no concern for this girl. And so Waver's like, Waverly's like, I'm never going to play chess again. Do you hear me? Ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then she decides a few months later that, you know what, I think I'm going to try and play chess again. And her mom undercuts the shit out of her. And basically, like, oh my god, she, like, cuts her confidence. Yeah. Um, and she says, actually a really simple statement, she says that, you know, um, you can't just quit something and then take it back up like that, right? Uh, and that yeah. really hits Waverly hard. And uh, she ends up trying to play again because this has been a few months afterwards, right? And uh, mm-hmm. Waverly loses one chest round against somebody who she had won uh, against previously. Um, and it prompts her to retire from chess forever and she never plays again. And then you see that relationship when they're both adults. Like, it's very tumultuous. Waverly talks about, you know, like, her mother disproves of everything. Thing like Waver- Waverly's married to this white guy named Rich, and like Rich is the fucking he doesn't mean to be insulting. Well, it, it doesn't but start. Well, f- first of all, um, a Waverly married a Chinese man first, but right? it wasn't enough. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and um, they ended up getting a divorce, and then when they were getting the divorce, her mother approved, of, uh, disapproved of that, right? So then. You know, she decides that uh, she she's dating um, a white dude, right? And uh, and they're gonna get married. And um, Rich goes to meet um, Lindo, and she really does not approve of this, right? Yeah, because in in their household, like when you make a dish, you only you you insult the dish that you're most proud of, right? Mm-hmm. So, Rich gets presented with a f- with a food that Lindo is very proud of making, but she says, "It you can't eat it. Not enough salt. Basically, inedible." And which is apparently a Chinese custom. It. Yeah, to yeah. insult your own food. Um, and so he goes to try it, and he's like, "It's okay. It just needs some soy sauce." <laughs> and he dumps it. And everybody's like, no! Why would you do this? Waverly was like, fuck. Yeah, so, you know, he insults (laughs) his possible, like, his soon-to-be mother-in-law's cooking by marinating the dish. He's also not using chopsticks properly. Like, he's, he had, uh, bragged about how he was, that he could use it. A fast learner. He was a fast learner. Um... But by the way, side note, using chopsticks is not that hard. Okay, I use I use chopsticks. It was very easy to pick up. Well, it's like people don't understand. It's like holding a pencil and then like I, I don't know. You just kind of like clap your hands with it. Like, does that make sense? Well, um, we had a local place that was the only place that used chopsticks, and I wanted to learn. I was like twelve. And, like, the people that own the place are um, immigrants from China. Mm -hmm. And 
the guy, he's real sweet. Um, and he was like, here, I'll show you how to use them. And I was able to use chopsticks as soon as he showed me. Like, it was very easy to pip pick up and I am a very clumsy person so if I can do it Rich is just a terrible fucking mess <laughs> well yeah and like everybody says <laughs> well like how can me. you eat the rice because they're so well the rice is sticky and it's like put together and that's how you eat the goddamn rice okay obviously buttered rice is not what you're gonna eat chopsticks with you white person jeez sorry <laughs> it just it makes but... me so mad when everybody's so like how can you Oh, you can use chopsticks? How can you use them so good? Because I fucking practiced. Sherry. Like, Jesus. Um, sorry. Okay. Um. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Waverly thinks that, um, you know, Lindo does not approve of Rich. And they go to get her mother's hair done before the... Uh, the wedding. Before Waverly gets married to Rich. Yeah. And while they're in the beauty shop, you know, Waverly's like, she uses that cheap-ass black dye. And Linda's like, why should I pay? Why should I pay to go to a beauty parlor where beautician wears cut jeans? <laughs> <laughs> she got a point. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they're they're in the salon and... Um... They have it out. Yeah, the, it, and it becomes like almost a heart-to-heart moment where... Um, Waverly, you know, says to her mother, like, why don't you like Rich? Like, what's so wrong with him, right? And that's when Lindo reveals that she likes she Rich. She likes Rich. She thinks he's a very nice man and that, you know, um, he, he, but that he could do better than her dumbass daughter. Like, holy <laughs> shit. What an I know. Lindo's like, I like Rich. If I didn't like him, I'd be nice say nothing you know i like rich and then waverly is like god mom i just feel like i'll never be good enough for you and lindo like laughs about it and then they both start laughing and crying and i felt like when i watched that i was like but that didn't get resolved well no because the thing that resolved it was that um lindo said to waverly that the reason why she doesn't like her daughters because her daughter is not proud to have her as a mother. She dislikes yeah. her mother. She thinks she's uncouth. She thinks, um, you know, the thing with the the black hair dye, uh, the way she acts. Um, and and I think this is a very important thing that we do not realize is um, our parents had lives before us. They had, you know, dreams and hopes and. Um, whole lives that we will never really know. We only know through stories, but we don't see it through the lens of their eyes, right? So right. I think that this this is why this in, this movie is so important because it, it it shows that you know there are these bonds, there are things that you know go through you know people's lives um, that affect the next generation. Um, so that was the issue with uh, Waverly and Lindo is that Waverly is not proud of having this woman as her mother. And Lindo knows this and she resents her daughter because of it. Yeah, but they seem to sort of work through it. Well, because there mean, is the joke where, well, because there's the joke where like, 
Waverly sitting there and she's like, I just I've never felt like I was good enough for you or whatever. Right. And then fucking Lindo's like, well, now I'm happy. And it's like, are you bitch? Jesus. That's what I was like. I don't know. It feels kind of unresolved. But at the same time. It's like they kind of made peace with each other in that moment. Yeah, so, I think it's... I don't know. Lindo just has that very abrasive personality. She mm-hmm. really does. <laughs> I think there is the understanding that um, that Waverly needs to like realize that Lindo is her mother and that she should be proud of... Uh, of you know like and her be mother's more story respectful. and be more respectful to her mother so yeah i think yeah. that's uh, that's um, like the underlying story there yeah and then uh i guess we'll talk about ying ying's backstory now yeah. this one was one of the more heartbreaking like Lindo's is the least heartbreaking out of all of them and it seems like with every new story it's worse than the last <laughs> yeah. Um so it starts off uh in China and uh Yin Yin is um she's she's married to um she's 16. Well yeah, she's 16. She meets and she's this not very charming just yet. Well no, but she meets a very charming uh charming man who is incredibly handsome right and he is oh my god right yeah fucking sexy oh god yes girl yes (laughs) um this is why i do not trust anyone that says that chinese or asian east or east asian men are unattractive yeah fuck you guys like exactly (laughs) um so this is where we um uh so she is she uh she's being wooed by this very attractive man and she's only 16. Right. So this is her first relationship and, um, they have sex and she gets pregnant with uh, a baby boy. They get married, but then it, it starts, he starts to, having affairs. Yeah. He starts having affairs with other women. Um, it shows that, you know, she's there with like the baby who's not, not that old, about six months, I would say. And um, mm-hmm. and he is, you know, wooing an opera singer who, who's at this function, right? And um, yeah. it starts showing that, you know, he's out having affairs and he doesn't come back, you know, um, until later in the night. And then soon he doesn't come back for days. And uh, he ends up coming back a few few days later she's and it shows like a a timeline of her patiently waiting um well not patiently but she is waiting at the dinner table um because she just wants to be with her husband she you know had loved this man he and he he humiliates the shit out of her and like it's obvious (laughs) that he is very abusive to her yeah um yeah so he comes in with uh another another woman who um he says that she's a prostitute um i think she's like another opera singer i don't know like yeah he 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 looks he looks at ying ying and says because the woman's like who's this and he, she he goes this is a whore just like you and i'm like whoa dude 
But, like, the girl he's with laughs, and then he, like, picks up his son who's crying and lets her hold their baby, and Yingying's like, the fuck, dude, that's my child. Yeah. Yeah, and you can tell that Yingying is basically, I don't know if it's, like, postpartum, but she is, like, literally all of the stress and everything is just getting to her, and it's making her snap. And she does. Like, she breaks a plate and, well, I mean, she breaks a plate and then goes towards him to try and slit his throat, but then he, like, stops her with just a stare, and she backs off because she's scared of him. Yeah. And then she's, then the worst part happens. Yeah, so she she is, um, she's washing her baby son uh, in, like, a little bathtub, and, but she is, she's overcome with depression and sadness, and he... The fucking kid goes under the water and drowns. Like, she has a mental breakdown. Like, she just freezes in time and just is, like, going through all of the things she hates about her husband. And when she finally comes to, she realizes what she's done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And throughout the rest of her life, she has these catatonic phases basically where she just sits and says nothing and you know one of the things she mentions is that when she felt him he was light in her arms like his spirit had flown away and her spirit had gone with him and that meant that she didn't have any of her spirit left to get her daughter uh Lena yeah and um and it and it shows that you know she is She's haunted by her past, but then, um, but then, you know, things, uh, like time goes by and, uh, it's her, her daughter is older, um, and, uh, Union has recovered from her years of trauma, uh, and, uh, Lena's showing her mother, you know, their new apartment, um, that she has with her husband, Harold, who is also Lena's boss, now yeah oh man i hated harold yeah he was the fucking worst oh my god like lena marries this guy and they decide to divide everything equally except it's not equally because she works for him and he makes seven times more than she does and yet they split the bills equally like everything, everything is split down the middle everything like everything. from the groceries except, to except except he doesn't have to buy her tampons and he doesn't have to buy her magazines even though he reads them and he doesn't have to buy the flea stuff for the cat even though he bought the cat for her as a birthday gift or something he's yeah. a fucking asshole he really is um and that's the thing. It is it is split down the middle, everything. And her mother is, like, the first one to point this out. And she's like, um, no, that, that's not right. Like, what the fuck? Lena, get your shit together. Like, this guy I mean, is taking advantage. He comes in while her mother is there, while Yingying is there with Lena. And he looks at Lena and he goes... When you buy charcoal, you have to buy lighter fluid. Don't you know that? Haven't we talked about this? Like, he's so fucking condescending. Oh, my God, yes. It set my teeth on edge. 
And that's the thing. He's not even, like, a good-looking <laughs> dude. No! And he's just, like, so fucking oblivious. And, like, her mom's upstairs looking at stuff. And so she's downstairs because her mom had pointed out that, why are you paying for his ice cream? You don't eat ice cream. Yeah, you never eat an ice cream. And then there's... um, her mother's pointing out a few other things like why why is why does this place have crooked walls like it's not good for feng shui and then um he uh, she mentions the table that over that is almost knocked over uh by like gently brushing it and like she's like why do you have this table like buy a new one not this you know and her daughter's like well he made it in college and he wants to keep it i guess so yeah so her mom's upstairs and she's downstairs and she's had it up to here with harold and hearing her mother talk is just like really put it in her head like things have got to change and then she brings it up to harold about it and he's like so fucking oblivious still and then when she's like i just don't think that we should be doing things like this anymore we should try something different because this is not working and he goes if you want to make changes you know, you better recognize what's going to happen when they change. Like, it almost sounded like a fucking threat. <laughs> wow. And then, yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's what I got. Yeah. So Lena goes upstairs where her mom is because her mom had broken the vase that was sitting on that flimsy-ass table. And her mom was like, listen, baby, you do not have to live like this. Yeah. You don't. If he's not willing to give you anything, you leave. Yeah. He's not Fuck that worth guy. It. Fuck him. And then she does. She gets a divorce. And then you see later at the dinner party that she's with this really good guy that cherishes her, you know? Mm hmm. So, I mean, and Lena and Ying Ying, you know, I don't think Lena ever finds out what Ying Ying did. Um, but. Like, they have a very close mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, it kind of just, um, with the relationship, I think her mom has come to, like, or, Yin-Yin got her spirit back. That's that's the moral of the yeah. story, is, like, and, and she gave her daughter the, um, her spirit as well. Like the they both exactly. had that um, they were able to overcome you know being taken advantage of or uh, being treated like shit. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so it was good. I yeah. mean, not not so great that she had a psychotic break and drowned her child, but it's good that she was able to move past that. Like, I don't feel like she's a villain, even though she killed her child. Like. She was mentally ill, you know, at that point. It was, like, hard to explain. She's a very sympathetic character. Yeah. You know? And obviously she was not herself when she did it. Yeah. Um, Now we get to talk about Anne May. Yeah. So that's, uh... This is, uh, another... (laughs) Horrible... Tragic yeah. backstory. Oh god, this is so fucking tragic. Um, okay, so it starts off that um, uh, 
Anne May is nine years old, and she has been raised by her relatives and uh, grandmother. Um, now, she, her mother left when she was uh, pretty young and got disowned from her family because she had, you know, an affair or a dalliance very soon after she, her husband had died. Um, yeah, with a very... she broke her vow of widowhood is the words they were using. Yeah, and uh, that was with a, a wealthy middle-aged man. And uh, and so she's kicked out and uh, her her daughter is left with her um, with her relatives and grand uh, and mother, right? So um, her mother uh, or her grandmother is uh, is dying, and um, her mother has come back uh, to to give her mother blood, um, like made out of soup, flesh. Flesh. I don't know. It was a gross part for me, but. That's just my yeah. personal opinion. But apparently it's an old tradition that only the most dutiful daughters give a piece of their flesh to their mother in a soup in order to make them well again. Mm-hmm. And so Anne May's mother does this, but it's not enough to save her mother and her mother passes away. Well, her mother tells Anne May, you know, you stay here, be good with your aunties and uncles. And Anne May's like, no, I want to go with you. And her mom takes her with her to the new, where she lives with her new husband. And she's the fourth wife. And the first wife is very old, never gave the man any sons. Yeah, and she's very weak. She's a very weak woman, like, woman, and, like, needs to be carried and, like, brought around. Uh, the The second wife has a son and is the most revered. The third wife has two daughters, but even though she has two daughters, she's still more respected than the fourth wife, which is Anne May's mother. Yeah. And it's obvious that Anne May is very unhappy. And the second wife is like the queen of the house. Yeah. And she and... gives Anne May some pearls. Yeah, which, um, and she's like, you know, uh, the second wife is like, well, you should call me big. <laughs> I love it when you call me big mama. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you need to laugh after all this. <laughs> um, but uh, she says, you know, please call me uh, big mother and um, and you can have these pearls. Right. And her mother is very insistent, like, no, do not take these pearls. You have to give them back. You can't have them. You are my daughter. Like fucking do it but, but then and meg and make she's she's a kid she's like yeah. this is something pretty you know yeah she wants to keep the pearls right um so then it's revealed that the pearls weren't real pearls they were actually just made out of glass so they're like a cheap yeah. replica right um so so that's uh the way of the second uh wife is trying to um undermine uh, on May's mother's authority, right? Because she yeah. is... And it turns out it's not the first time. What ends up coming to light is that, like, after the husband visits Anne May's mother, um, Anne May's mother comes out to where Anne May is, and they're talking, and... Anne May reveals that she's been told what happened to her mother. 
Yeah. And what happened to her mother is that her mom had been recently widowed, and she went to a house for a party or for a dinner or something and stayed overnight. And the second wife arranged for her husband to rape Anne-Mae's mother. And because of that rape, she got pregnant. And nobody believed that she had been raped. And so she had nowhere to go. She was disowned by her parents. She was kicked out. She couldn't get a job because no one would hire a disgraced woman. The only thing she could do was come begging to the man who had raped her for a place to live and a place for her baby. And so she got married to her rapist. And the second wife took her son after the baby was born as her own, as a reward, because she had gotten her husband a new wife and a son. So it was her son. Yeah. She had helped create it by helping the situation to, you know, how it occurred. Mm -hmm. And, oh, God, it was so sad. And... Anne May's mom ends up committing suicide after she explains this to her daughter. And she never knew her worth, basically. No. And so Anne May, after her mother passes away, she reveals that she knows the truth. Well, and no, the she, guy... Well, she's using, like... Um... Sh like... She doesn't really Religion. reveal, like she kind of reveals, but not really. And she's like, there's, you know, going to be a vengeance from her angry ghost and uh, there's going to be a curse on this entire family. Right. So um, these people are like afraid of the curse so that so um, the guy ends up taking uh, like taking her and then. Uh, her brother and raising them as his uh, honored children yeah his most revered children exactly and yeah. that uh the second um the second wife uh like is uh no longer an honor oh and that their mother was an honored first wife and not uh like a fourth yeah. wife and that the second one um you know is trying to you know pay her respects and then like um uh, her on hair May, goes white. well, yeah, on May ends up like screaming at her, and then uh, destroys the second wife's, you know, pearl necklace, right? Which is also glass. Yeah, uh, and shakes fuck, bitch. Yeah, and her hair turns uh, white, and it's like fucking revenge. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and then you know, we meet Rose, which is on May's adult daughter, mm -hmm. and. Rose, God, love her. She falls in love with this guy who's from a very rich family. His name is Ted. He's white. And the first time she goes to meet his parents, that white liberal bitch. Oh, this reminded me a little bit of um, Get Out. Yeah, right? Like, okay, his mom comes up to her. This is like right after the Vietnamese War. 
or something. And she goes, we're a very liberal family, and Ted's going to be working with his father in the company, and he's going to be judged by people of a different standard. Publishers, authors, critics, and their wives, they won't be as understanding as we are. You know, the way the world is now, and how unpopular Vietnam was. Like, bitch! the fuck yeah Ugh. yeah that was like a moment where I was like because ah. because this happens way too much that you know people are like well we're just liberal we we accept all people but we don't want anybody of color in our family god and tarnish our so white blood like fuck off What's so bad is Slate actually, it's funny because Slate just put out an article this week mm-hmm. as we're recording this where it talks about how white, li- white liberals need to confront their racism and like white people were getting so upset. Well, because they don't think they're racist, that. but they can't, they can't even talk about it. And like, and I'm like, you're getting very defensive when all this article is telling you to do is self-reflect, you know? And try to be better. It's not saying that you're as racist as a Nazi, but I mean, there was that one funnier die skit where it was like diet racism, and it's basically that. Like sometimes we benefit from it without thinking. All it's telling you to do is stop, think about your actions, think about your words, try to be a better ally. No one's saying that you're actually racist. They're saying you can just work to make sure you don't engage in something that is. But people got so pissed. But that's the thing. There are these people who walk around and they're just like, la-di-da-da-da, my fucking white privilege is all over the place, fucking tearing down fucking walls. And like, I think that the sun don't shine or shines out of my fucking asshole, right? But they're just like secretly racist. And there's nothing worse than a secret racist. I mean, it's kind of like what Diane Feinstein did with the Confederate flag in California. What? That's what it reminded me of. What? You haven't heard about Diane Feinstein and the flag? No. It was a dollop. Oh, that bitch, yeah. Yeah. Like, that woman is a senator. But, like, California wasn't even in the fucking secession. Yeah. And it was just, for someone that claims to be super fucking liberal, that's not really freaking liberal. <laughs> and and that's know. the thing, like, it just, I don't know. That just, like, it, it burns my fucking ass. And, like... It really does. I, and the... Th- I... Like, oh, yeah. Fuck. I'm just, I mean, it makes me Rose so mad. I mean, had to defend herself, and she's like, I'm not even fucking Vietnamese. Oh, my Second God. All, I know. I'm American. A fucking like, American. A- I was born in America. That makes you a fucking American. Like, so whenever, oh, and, and and it's like the question that I'm sure a lot of people of color get is like, so where are you from? And it's like, um, America. Oh it's like, God. no, but where's your family from? Like, where are you really from? And it's like, dude, fuck. Like, you don't ask a white person that. You don't ask, like, so where are you from? And they're like, oh, well, I'm American. And of course, you know, most people are like, oh, yeah, that's that's fine, right? But you don't be like, no, where are you really from? Are you Scottish? Are you German? Are you French? <laughs> like, nobody fucking asks that shit, right? Nobody asks if you're fucking Irish. 
because because <laughs> white fucking privilege. Unless you have an accent. Exactly. Exactly. And at that point, you might be an American citizen, but you weren't born here. <laughs> well, you don't, I don't fucking know. You don't know that. You, know, you could have been but, born and I mean, went to Germany, right? There's like an God American base Ted. there. God love Ted. Oh, yeah. Ted hears his mom talking this shit to his love. And he goes up to her and is like, Mom, you need to cut the fucking shit. Yeah, she's Leave like, hey, stop being a fucking asshole. <laughs> I know. You made a fucking asshole out of yourself in front of the woman I love. I was like, yes, Ted, you're a boss. But what that woman did was undercut Rose. And then Rose spins, like, she gets married to Ted. And she spends a lot of that marriage thinking she has to be the perfect wife to overcompensate for the fact that she is not white. Yeah, which is and it, fucking and it sad. Tears, it tears their marriage apart because she doesn't make decisions. And Ted will ask her, well, babe, what do you want to do? And she's like, anything you want to. I, you know, well, yeah, she Ted's becomes like, very submissive and demure, right? You know, and it's... It's a cost of her own. It's not the woman he married. Well, exactly. But it it is a cost to her own identity and her interests. You know, she's become almost like robotic and, you know, I want to please you. So fuck my needs. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then like they start to get a divorce and... Because like, well, Ted does cheat on her with another woman. Well, no, Ted doesn't cheat on her. They're already separated. In the book, it's more clear. Oh, okay. They are separated. They are separated. They are headed towards a divorce. And so Rose finds out that he's seeing someone else. And, you know, she gets really upset about it. Because I read the book in high school as, like, summer reading. So, anyway, they get the divorce. Or they almost get divorced. And after... Uh, Anne May explains what happened with her mother Rose comes to this realization that she doesn't value her own worth and she also kind of comes to the realization that her spirit is her grandmother's spirit because you know she was raised in a Buddhist family so they believe in reincarnation and she realizes that for her she was her grandmother she died 60 years ago from opium poisoning and she didn't know her worth, but she knows it now. And Mm -hmm. Ted tries to apologize, you know, and she's like, it's nothing you did. It was all on me. And from that, they're able to work things out and go back to being a couple. Yeah. And they, repair their marriage because she finally decides that fuck those white people (laughs) and i think i think that is the most important lesson of them all exactly and then we get to talk about june now june and her mom Which, which i think this was the one that really resonated with me the most yeah fuck so with June, it starts off with her backstory first. This one's the only one that's in reverse. And June talks about how she, you know, played piano as a kid, but she wasn't very good at it. No. And like 
she had a deaf piano teacher. <laughs> yeah. And her mom is best friends with Lindo, who is Waverly's mom. And Waverly is the chess champion, you know. And so Su Yen wants to have a daughter that's very good at something, too. They're very competitive. And Su Yen, you know, talks about how she's such a great piano player, but then, you know, June kind of messes up, and she's like, I hate it, I hate playing piano, you know? And then there's that one bit, like, it kind of talks about what happened to Su Yen in China, but they don't really talk about it in her household. And June stabs at her mother with it, was like, I wish you weren't my mother. I wish I was like those babies that you killed in China. <laughs> oh my fucking Which, god I mean she did say that but granted she was like 8 yeah I mean she was a child <laughs> but like and, and that's the thing when you're a child god you say some you say, fucking you say, shit. you say some fucking awful <laughs> things to your parents like sorry this is this is Ashleen therapy time but um <laughs> fuck sorry but, uh, like, I remember one time I sent, uh, uh, I think I wrote something like, I hate you on a piece of paper, and I threw it down the stairs to my mom, right? And my mom, like, kept that fucking piece of paper. <laughs> oh, I'm not, yeah, she, like, showed it to me years, and she's like, yeah, so do you remember this moment? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, so um, <laughs> when you were, like, 10 or, like, 9 or 10, you were, I was mad about something. I don't even fucking remember. But I guess I, like, I, I, I wrote it on a piece of paper. I, I, like, wrote a few notes that were just, like, I hate you, you bitch. Like, it's, like without the swear words. And, uh, yeah, my mom kept that. And she, like, oh, yeah. I have a I have a very difficult yeah, relationship I mean, with my mother, so it's uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't really know that much about June's childhood all that much. Like that's basically all we get out of June's childhood. Mm-hmm. And then we basically you know, and June is talking with her dad at the end of the movie after everyone's gone home and he finds all these pictures because what it ended up happening is Lindo decided to be her meddling self and she managed to find the twins that her mother had been forced to abandon in China. Mm-hmm. And she had never heard the full story about those children. Yeah. And so she's going to go to China to meet her sisters for the first time. The thing is her sisters don't know that her mother has died because Lindo signed it as Su Yen. Yeah. And as it starts, so, so it tells uh, Su Yen's story and um, during World War II uh, the Japanese had invaded uh, China and Su Yen was escaping the invasion with her two twin baby girls they were in a wheelbarrow and uh, her her hands were bleeding from you know moving this wheelbarrow for miles and miles and then this wheelbarrow the the wheel breaks and, uh, and she's got dysentery. Yeah, and she's become ill. Uh, so she is trying to, she's trying to find refuge, and uh, but she can't with her husband. Well, yeah, because uh, he's in um, Shanghai, right? So she's uh, or I think 
But anyway, so what she thinks she's going to die. She was like convinced that she is going to die. She's near death. So um, what she does is she puts the babies under a tree. She puts uh, everything of value under that tree with uh, with the babies, including a picture and a note that says, like, uh, if you find these children, please, um, please take them to their father in uh, in Shanghai or uh and, and you'll get it more was money somewhere else but still oh sorry um but uh they'll get more money like you'll get more money um because of this right yeah just save my save my children yeah because the the thing is is like um they were very superstitious and she didn't want to die next to her children because if she died next to her children then people would consider the children bad luck yeah and the best chance of their survival was actually her leaving them with all that gold in hopes that someone would take them to her husband because she was sure she was going to die. Like, she was to that point. She was very weak. And she almost did die. Yeah. And this is something that June's father is telling June, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said it was terrible when she found out that she was going to live because someone rescued her right before she basically died. And she was not able to find her children. And so she comes to America and she builds a life for herself here with June. And she tries to move past the fact that she still has two children she doesn't know. And, and June, she has she has her high hopes. entire life. Oh. Sorry. Huh? Well, she has high hopes for her daughter, but, right? That, you know, she's gonna do great things. Yeah. She, you know, encourages and, her to you know, become the best that she can be. And uh, and June sees this as June is herself and she's not going to be, you know, a concert pianist and she's not going to be, you know, all of these hopes and dreams that her mother has been, you know, f- what she feels like forced onto her and she feels like she's such a disappointment to her mother. Yeah, and she confronts her mother about this a few months before her mother passes away. And her mom was like, I put all my hopes into you, and just because you didn't meet them doesn't mean I love you any less. Like, you know, Waverly, one of the things they see is like a thing between Waverly and June, because June is a writer, and Waverly works in publishing, and June had given Waverly some stuff to publish, and Waverly's like, oh, well, that shit's not good. I can't give that to my people. Yeah, like, you we know? need something and with style. June, June... Waverly's a bitch. I know, she was such a bitch. <laughs> she learned it from her mom, though, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was after this, you know, and... Suyin said something to the effect of, you know, Waverly's right. You know, and so that's a real shitty thing to say, and so it, like, fucks with June's confidence. And so they're washing dishes or something after supper, and, you know, June's like, Mom, why did you say that? And Suyin was like, Baby, listen to me. Just because, you know, you're not the best at everything doesn't mean I love you less. You know, like, Waverly is good at all of these things, but she doesn't have as good a heart as you, and that's more important. And it was so sweet. Well, because, like, June has done things that, you know, a different way. And this was also still, like, the early 90s, late 80s. So, 
you know, being a college dropout, not married, and having an unsuccessful career, like, that is that's a rough go. I mean, that's what a lot of people are dealing with these <laughs> yeah. days, because millennials, right? But, um... <laughs> we identify with June on a personal level here. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Except she has no excuse like the economy, so you fucked up, June. Sorry, kidding. Um... <laughs> But she did her best, damn it. <laughs> she did. She did. So, um, but yeah, what Sue Yen is explaining to her is she has an unteachable style. She, you know, does things her own way. And because of that, uh, she has the best heart. And uh, that makes her mother prouder than she would be otherwise, which is a very sweet sentiment. Sorry, it made me like fucking ball. Because we all know that <laughs> yeah. female-led drama month is Ajeline crying her eyes out month. Um, but uh, I came up with that joke like a few hours ago and Gracie's like, say it in the podcast. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so anyways, uh, so Suyen also gives uh, her daughter a jade necklace. And uh, it's, a, it's a very sweet moment um, because in the end... Even though you feel like you're a screw up or, you know, whatever is going on with your life, your parents are still proud. They're still proud even though you mess up, even though you're asking them for money, even though, you know, for for every thing that you are doing, um, you feel you are doing wrong, they see the good in you. Not all parents, but like most parents. At least that's kind of that's what I hope is going on with, you know, people's parents. And I think that um, it it shows with uh, these stories that there are, you know, um, intergenerational things that have happened, sadness uh, that we can never imagine because we haven't lived the lives of our parents. We haven't seen the eye, you know, through the eyes of our grandparents. Like there is a, there's a lot of, um, of pain and hurt that, uh, that is passed down and, uh, that doesn't go away with the generations. It, um, it, it goes through the different generations one way or another, because you are always influencing the next generation, your hurt, your pain, is going to continue on to your children one way or another. And there's there's really nothing that you can stop to stop that. But what you can do is try to, you know, have a good relationship with your parents and your children. Yeah. And it turns out after June has this flashback, with her mother in the kitchen, her dad gives her an envelope. And he said that your mother wasn't ready to give it to you, but I think she would be ready to give it to you now. And when she opens up the envelope, it's a swan feather. So the woman at the beginning of the movie that she's talking about is her mother. Mm -hmm. And it's the story of a woman that wanted only the best for her daughter. And you know, with that feather, she carried all of her good intentions. And so June says, June's just like overcome at that point because she realized how much her mother really did love her 
despite her short her shortcomings. And it gives her the strength to be able to face these two sisters she's never met before. And she goes to China and she meets them and she's forced to tell them that their mother had passed away four months before she'd come to visit them. And then they accept her and they hug and I'm crying my fucking eyes out at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's that's how the movie ends. I mean, it ends on a high note. Uh, I feel like this movie like definitely has a big emotional draw to it. And even though there's so many stories that get told, you don't lose sight of the what the emotion, what the story is trying to convey. Yeah, no. which, you know, in the end is relationships with, well, like I had said, um, your relationships with your parents, um, whether they're tumultuous or, because everybody has their own fucking mommy and daddy issues, There, there's a lot that we don't know about our parents um, one way or another. Um, I can't speak for everybody's family life um, because I only know my own, but it's, uh, there's a bigger picture than just you as a person. What we see. Yes. There is a bigger picture than what we see. And uh, the thing, your parents influence you your grandparents, in a way, influence you, and you're uh, you're gonna influence your children. Yeah. So now that we've gotten through this amazing movie, yep. we'll do the tests. Yep. Give Ashley a break. I've talked a lot. It. I've talked a lot. Next <laughs> next week we're gonna watch Selena. She's not gonna be happy then either. I've seen this. <laughs> I've seen that movie, but every fucking time. Every fucking time. It's just like this movie. Every time I cry at the end, or I tear up at least. You yeah. know, there are very few movies that I will cry every time I watch or tear up every time I watch. Um, my like this is one of them. A little prince, a little princess is another one. God, I cry at that one. Uh, but anyway, um, so the test. All right, first test, Bechdel test. Two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. This happened several times. It's a pass. Um, and then we have uh, racial Bechdel test, which is two people of color or non-white characters who have names talking on screen alone together about something other than a white person. This also happens several times. Uh, Macklemore test, a woman who has a storyline that is not based on pushing a male narrative forward. This happens throughout the entire movie because none of these stories are about men. They're about all of these women. Um, Duvernay test. Duvernay is when two people or when a person of color has a story arc that isn't about pushing a white character story arc forward. This is also a pass. Sexy lamp test. A named female character who could be replaced with a sexy lamp and it not change the plot that much. This one's a little tricky. Um, cause like, Wong Tai Tai, the, uh, 
the mother in the the mother-in-law in Lindo's story, like she is a bit vital. Yeah. But not really. So it's kind of iffy. I'm going to give it a technical pass, but I'm a little iffy on it because every other named female character was important. She's the only one that had a name that I'm kind of iffy about because not even the wives had names uh, in Anne May's story. Oh, yeah, because, so. um, yeah, second wife was just second they, wife. They weren't important. Yeah. They were all sexy lamps, so I guess a fail, but they didn't have names, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, and then we have the Vito Russo test, which is having a LGBTQA plus character whose story matters. There's no LGBTQA plus character in this film, so but it's the hairdresser be a fail. Huh? The hairdresser? Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still a fail. Yeah, I know. It didn't matter to the story. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> what we call... replaced with a sexy lamp. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, this um, wasn't. Uh... Okay, I tell you what, though, um, it, I would agree that this movie is like super feminist. Mm-hmm. I I honestly do because it's a story about women and it's not a story about women just trying to get with men. It's a story about women and their journey through life and their daughters and their daughter. You know, it's, it's a movie about moms and their children. Yeah. So I, I would say a plus on the feminism here. I would also say a plus on the story. I liked it way better than waiting to exhale. Yeah. Same here. (laughs) Um, I I thought it was a fantastic story. I think it's a very important um, story uh, that that needs to be told, like a continuation of you know just mother daughter stories. I think there should be more mother daughter stories that you know are are like this that are you know so intergenerational. Yeah. I mean, as far as Gracie, the you keep stories breaking with up. multiple plots going on at the same... You keep breaking up. I keep having to walk around because where I was sitting started to start breaking up. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know who it is. I hope it doesn't come up when you're editing it because, like, I couldn't understand half of what you were saying when you started talking about Yen and June. Oh, okay. <laughs> it... So hopefully it's only my feed that fucked up. No, I think um, I'm fine because I'm recording from this end. Yeah. So where were we? Um, just after the tests and how what we think of okay. this movie. Um. So yeah. do you have any uh, trivia? No, actually, I don't. I couldn't find any. Um, I do want to mention I mean, that uh, aside from aside from the fact that uh, Ming, Na- uh, I can't say her name, but the chick that played June, she played Mulan. Like, but that was already thing something I knew. <laughs> um, so this movie also uh, received some cr- uh, criticism for its stereotypical present um, presentation of Asian American male characters. 
I don't know. It just says this on Wikipedia. So, um... Well, Wikipedia is lying, because, like, the only Asian-American male character that we see is Harold, and he's not anything like what the stereotypes are. I don't know. I mean, and then there was also... There was all... It wasn't just Harold. It was... What was... The other guy didn't have a name, but the one that was after Harold that she ended up getting with. Oh, okay. But he wasn't stereotypically Asian either. Like, what's this... I don't... I don't understand the That's... It didn't actually, like, Um, mention anything else other than it received mostly um, positive reviews, except for it was, like, criticized for that one thing. Oh, okay. Well, I don't see where it's at. So if someone knows, please enlighten us. <laughs> yeah. Are you about done? No. You I just, just you sound yeah, so busy right now. Um, You're just like, fuck everything. Hello? Gracie? Hey, I lost you again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Now. Okay. You're going to have to edit this one really hard. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know what the frick is up. It's because I have to use Wi-Fi, and the Wi-Fi is being used up by someone that's streaming. Yeah. Does he stream on Twitch or something? Yes. Oh, fuck. It takes up all the data. I mean, we get 200 megabytes speed, but I mean, when you're streaming, does he get but... money from it or something? Or he just no. does anybody watch his streams? No. What the hell? At least we yeah, actually I'll... have people who listen to us. <laughs> Whatever. You're gonna have to edit all this out. Um, nah, man. Okay, keep so, it. <laughs> uh, so, on that note, of contacting us you know to explain what the stereotype issue was you should call you should contact us on our they Facebook should call page. us are you gonna give your number get yourself no, a boyfriend us. contact us oh, okay what nothing <laughs> contact us contact us jesus christ um facebook.com slash the feminist critique podcast you can also send us an email at the feminist critique podcast at gmail.com um and you can contact me at south of grace on twitter and you can also check out our tumblr the dash feminist dash critique which needs updating still because i mean maybe by the time this comes out i've i've been more uh more attentive to it but my life is hectic right now I, I i did two job interviews today for crying out loud yeah and she's <laughs> gonna get one of the jobs fingers crossed um so yeah that's it on my end as far as the links Ageline. uh you can also check us out on um on Twitter at uh, feminist critique without the e at the end. Um, I don't know. I post stuff on there sometimes. It's fun. Whatever. Uh, you can like message us and like be like, "Oh, you guys are like the worst feminists ever," because um, we are. But uh, or you could just say like glowing praise, which I really enjoy because I'm obsessed with myself. Um, so <laughs> it's true. Oh fuck! I think I. Okay, never mind. 
Um, sorry, I like. I heard like a fuzzy thing in the. I'm really gonna have to edit this. It's the worst. Um, you can also check me out over on Twitter, um, and Instagram, Ajlene's A I S L E N E S, and um, I think that's it. Is there one more thing? Oh yeah, my work website kicks.fm oh our patreon oh yeah i guess we should like do something about that we keep getting those damn emails that are like how to grow your audience how to get more money god i feel like it's (laughs) online begging yeah also shout out to the amazing person that donated the money for me to get a professional mic even though I can't use it tonight because I have no good internet service for some reason. Yeah, because um, your brother is streaming. Sorry. I'm just, I'm really uh, mad about it because yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, why, <laughs> why do you have to stream right now? Like, no respect, man. No respect. But, uh, yeah, so that's well, it. Well, <laughs> We'll be seeing you guys next week um, when we discuss the movie, our last, our last female drama movie with Selena. But the good news is after Selena, we're going to do comedy a whole month of it just to make up for the fact that we've made you cry all month. Yep, exactly. (laughs) So we will see you guys uh, next week, which is like, what, three weeks from now for us? I don't know. I'm go- what? I'm going on vacation. That we have to do this stuff ahead of time because I'm going to BC uh, to my friend's wedding. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We know. What? <laughs> I, I get to you. go to Vancouver. I'm so excited. I've never been you. to Vancouver ever. Like this uh, is the be- this is the best. I'm. I'm so stoked. I get to drive through the Rocky Mountains. I've never done that like i drove through jasper but like that's it and i get to go through like all the rocky mountain i get to go through the rocky mountain way because it's it's a song are you gonna are you gonna play john denver when you do it fuck yeah the entire time just (laughs) unripe repeat um no not really i'm probably gonna play like anime music or podcasts so uh yeah, I'm going to just play our own podcast so I can listen to myself and hate myself. So that'll be great. That's because uh, every time I listen to our podcast, I'm like, oh, Ashleen, shut up. Like I'm doing right now. I am I will listen to this and be like, Ashleen, shut up and say goodbye. Like nobody cares. God. <laughs> well, we are going to say goodbye. And we will see you guys next week when we talk about Selena. So please watch it first before you listen. You'll really like it, but make sure you have the the Kleenex box handy because you're definitely going to need this. Yep. (laughs) Anyways, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.